New alarm bells ringing tonight on the coronavirus outbreak in this country. Doctors say the virus is spread through droplets when someone coughs or sneezes. And I think the business community, it's in their interest that people actually stay home and stop the spread. For a business that can allow more employees to telecommute, we want you to do that. In these times, what does it mean to sell with purpose? How can you bring intention to every sales conversation, no matter what you're selling? What if success doesn't mean just one more closed sale, but one more life saved? Hi, friends. I'm Andy Paul, host of the Sales Enablement Podcast, and this is Selling with Purpose, a special six-part series of inspiring conversations exploring what it means to sell with a mission greater than just hitting your numbers in the era of COVID-19 and beyond. Tune in to hear from world-class enterprise sales leaders and learn how their six companies will close $50 billion selling remotely. See how they've supported essential workers with the products and services they need to stay safe and thrive during this time of crisis. A special thank you to our guests and their incredible companies, Sodexo, Henry Schein, Gordon Food Services, NFP, Stanley Security, and CDK for allowing us to share their stories. All right, let's get into it. Patrick, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Andy. You're an experienced podcaster yourself, I understand, because you've got an internal podcast that you use for your, your sales team. I, I don't know if I would describe it as experienced, but uh, yes, we've uh, started a uh, an internal podcast for our sales team about a month ago. So um, I'm getting more experienced, I guess you could say. <laughs> well, I think it's, and so you started it in response to, I imagine, to the COVID crisis, so the people starting to work from home and so on. So what do you use your podcast for? Yeah, so it's interesting that our sales team challenged us with, we, at first we started a lot of webinars and updating them on, we're in the food service industry, so right. uh, selling to restaurants and such. And uh, there's a lot of updates on uh, supply chain products regulations for our restaurants and uh, sanitation, just mm-hmm. so many things because that, that industry was just hit real hard. So we had a lot to communicate to our sales team and, and you know the webinars were just too long. They weren't hitting them at the right time and they wanted something that they could listen to at their own rate, um, at their own you know leisure when they wanted to. And so we just decided to, to try the, the podcast route and the feedback has been great. Uh, we're like, 80% of them are, are, of our salespeople are listening to them. So Perfect. we're going to keep, we're going to keep continuing it until they stop listening. How about that? Well, either that or keep going to get hundred percent compliance and everybody's listening to it or make sure they all listen to this podcast. That'd be good too. So, so Gordon food service, you sell food and beverages to gosh, everywhere, anybody that serves food basically. Right. So, I imagine that when the shutdown started, it was a pretty dramatic change for you guys with restaurants, specifically restaurants, going to zero. Yeah, think about this, Andy, is we, we literally had our industry shut down um, overnight. And, and I know a lot, of, a lot of industries have felt the pain, but uh, when, when restaurants were shut down um, and states started closing, uh, that's it. That's all they had. They still could serve some to-go and some takeout and delivery, but... Our business uh, almost dropped, the food service industry uh, dropped almost 50% overnight. Now, we do have a lot of business with uh, healthcares and hospitals. Mm-hmm. So those, those elevated, those ramped up, but um, they got more difficult to deal with because of all regulations. And, 
you know, you can't just walk in with a cart of food to a hospital anymore. So those, those got more complicated. Schools shut down as well. So our business literally fell over 50% overnight for across the whole industry. Hmm. So how big of a company is Gordon Food Service? Um, it's, we have, uh, oh my gosh, we have about a thousand sellers across the U S and, uh, probably another 300 or so from, um, across the, uh, uh Canada. We, we do, mm-hmm. a, uh, well over, you know, well over 10 billion in sales in North America. Wow. So a thousand sellers, are these traditionally people that are field-based? I mean, do you have like you know, route drivers that are selling as well, or is it you know, an independent sales force? Yeah, it's a street-based sales force. Um, they, uh, our, our drivers just deliver the food. So our salespeople, um, you know, acquire new business. They, they grow existing accounts. Um, they, they're customer service agents. They take care of problems. They, they take orders themselves directly from the restaurants. Uh, we do, we do a lot digitally, right? Half of our orders are, are processed digitally. So they're kind of jack of all trades and it's a very belly to belly selling. Uh, we mm-hmm. call it, um, you, you know, you're in the restaurant you're having conversations with the owner, the chef, and, and you're, you're like I said, actually taking orders directly from them. So they do a little bit of everything and, and man, when things were shut down, you couldn't leave your home. Uh, that was a big change for our sellers. You know, I can imagine they were probably chomping at the bit to <laughs> to get out there. So, how how'd that transition go for you? Oh, well, um, that was that was tough. Um, we had to do some really quick training on how to adjust. I guess you could say selling virtually. Now, remember, a good chunk of the customers were were closed, mm-hmm. so um, a good chunk of the business just kind of went away. But so we had to immediately start training how to do a little bit more virtual selling, a little bit more phone selling. Uh, like, uh, like I mentioned though, half of our orders were, were processed digitally anyway. So we really pushed on our customers to say, I can't see you. I can't, you know, I can talk over the phone. How would you like to place your order digitally? So we really ramped up making sure our sellers were well-versed in, in our, you know, ordering online platform. And, uh, that was our big push. So, uh, we really had to do a lot of training and adjustment. Hmm. So as they look at now, I guess well, the first question is: Is where your sellers are they divided by? You know, so I'm a restaurant, I'm a, a food service person, you know, I'm a hospital schools person. Are they divided that way, or are they cover all accounts? Yeah, we seg- we have them segmented uh, based off really two concepts. One is the commercial, what we call, and that's the restaurants, the hotels, um, all that kind of stuff. And then the non-commercial group, uh, they handle the healthcare's, hospitals, government stuff. And that way, they become specialized in those particular areas. Even the education is broken off into its own segment. And then, and, you know, we service some national chains, and they're they're in their own segment. So, we run them specialized in that segment. So we do have that broken up that way. So imagine for the people that were servicing the restaurant customers. I mean, they they pretty much came to a complete halt. Yeah. Um, you know, depending on where you're at, what state you're in, every state had different laws and every mm-hmm. state was more strict than others. Um, some saw a drop off of almost 80% in sales. Um, some were a little think, bit more at least. Yeah, some were a little bit more loose and and uh, continued to operate. Our, our, it's funny, our salespeople in Texas said, 
yeah, we were shut down, but it's Texas, so we do whatever we want, right? So some <laughs> some were still <laughs> operating. Problem, right? Right, right. Some still were operating rogue. Um, but it, it was a huge adjustment if you have all of your sales pretty much shut down. So so one of the things that we did is we tried to shift our uh, accounts we were targeting and and the retail segment or the grocery stores saw their business quadruple overnight. In fact, they couldn't even handle it. So we started to reach out to a lot of retail establishments and say, hey, do, do you need, you, you can't get the stuff from your own supply chain. How can we help you? And oh, it was a real, yeah, it was a real big shift in our industry to say, well, with restaurants shut down, we're going to go uh, help the retail sector and the retail segment. So compete against the Cisco's of the world and all those big distributors. Yeah, the Cisco's are. I mean, there are there are competitors, and and they did the same thing, right? They shifted to the retail or grocery area as well. Uh, we just you just try to beat them to the punch, right? Because it's really the first person that that calls or they hook up with, they they start doing business with. So we immediately started, you know, prospecting for the retail sector and. And uh, even tried to find a way to to um, small markets too, right? Independent little stores, mom and mm-hmm. pops, anything that had to do with retail that was selling food because they were running out of food. No, words, this selling you know unprocessed foods, or did you also carry like brand name you know processed foods that you could sell to groceries? Yeah, it, it was both. Um, mostly, what they were looking for from a grocery standpoint was the protein items. You know, the chickens, the beefs, the porks, mm-hmm. and uh, even eggs. So that's really what they were in dire need of because that's what people were stockpiling. Um, you know, we 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 gosh, we ran out of the toilet paper and the gloves. In fact, we we had to kind of protect some of that stuff from our hospitals and and the frontline workers because um, that. You know that was the priority. So you're selling supplies as well as as food products. Think about this: anything a restaurant needs, we we have you for sell. them. Okay. Yep. Absolutely. So as things start to open up now, in certain states, well, all states, so even California, New York, we're starting to see some some openings uh, up and down the West Coast. Is so what? What are your people sort of doing now in terms of what's what sort of the protocol to go out and visit a restaurant? I imagine that that's sort of been mandated as well. Yeah, there's there's um, most of our restaurants obviously require um, you to wear a mask if you're to come in. So we're you know making sure we've got to make sure our sellers are well aware of the environment they're walking into. Um, you know, if if they want to take your temperature, that gets a little dicey, right? So we got to just be mindful of that stuff. But our salespeople, if they want us to wear a mask when we walk in, then then we should wear you know wear wear a mask uh, just like their employees do. And we're really trying to um, more importantly, arm them with the right conversations they should be having mm-hmm. with their customers. Because uh, consumer confidence is the number one thing right now that any restaurateur should be focused on is what does the customer perceive as a restaurant? Is it clean? Are the employees wearing masks and wearing gloves? You're going to make sure this place is is ready to go before you go eat there. So we're making sure our sellers are having these conversations with our customers. Hey, do you have the right chemicals in place? Do you have masks? Do you have gloves? Do you have sanitation stations? And and if not, we can help you with that. In fact, we can consult on that. Um, I, I just want to make sure that you're ready to open and that you're going to not only survive, but thrive in this environment. Yeah, I was seeing something yesterday about um, <laughs> online about uh, this company in France. And I was thinking about this in the context of our conversation today was, 
was designing these um, sort of plexiglass, <laughs> plexiglass, uh, I don't know, surroundings for individual diners at a table that basically come down from the ceiling. So if you have four people at a table, four of these things would come down, and basically it's it's like you're in this little bubble, except for where your hands and plates sit in front of you. Yeah, we've we've been watching, you know, what's happened in some of the Asian countries, um, you know, post COVID, because it's it's there. You could say they're uh, ten to twelve weeks ahead of us in this this environment. And what have their restaurants done? Because they could tell us a little bit of what ours mm-hmm. are gonna look like. And I've seen some where it's plexiglass everywhere. Uh, you're almost like in a fishbowl, you know, sitting in and eating in a restaurant and. Um, you know, some restaurants requiring people to wear masks and yet you, you can only take them off when you eat. So we're seeing all kinds of things from that. And we're just trying to figure out where, where it's going to land here in the U S but, uh, really it's state by state. And, um, you know, we're just trying to make sure our sellers are informed of what the rules are in their state so that they're just, they're well aware of it. Yeah. Interesting sort of transition. So how do you, how do you, as an organization, and I know you talked about pivoting to the grocery stores, but yeah, how do you how do you keep people motivated? How do you keep morale high when there's nothing to sell? Oh boy, um, this is where I wish I had my magic wand. Um, you know, it's tough because when you lose uh, or, or when you your sales are reduced half overnight, um, you, you really it it's it hurts with that motivation factor. Um, you know, how do you keep your eyes on the prize? How do you keep pursuing new business, um, knowing that oh my gosh, my my sales have declined by half? So, uh, what we're what we're just trying to get this the sales team focused on is this this idea that we're we're gonna we're gonna come out of this. The restaurant industry is resilient. It's one of the largest you know economic factors in the country. Is are you prepared for when it comes out of it? Because you can either go one way or the other. As if you're still making contacts with customers and working the retail sector, um, when when things are going to all be said and done, you can increase your compensation and, and your commissions are going to be flourishing in this. Versus if you kind of sit down and and you know put your head in your knees and say "Woe is me" and you know this is this is not going to work and, and we're never going to come back from it, uh, you're not going to be in a position to grow uh, on the other side of it. So. We're really trying to make sure that our sales team is focused on the the right um, accounts. In fact, we created a little a little thing for our sellers that defines what good looks like, and we're we're pulling out certain restaurants that are really going to be busy on the outcome of this. In fact, such as um, examples is um, are, are is their menu designed to uh, to go right? Can it be delivered by a DoorDash or something like that? Does it fit in a container and travel really well? Because um, Restaurants, thirty to forty percent of their sales after this is all said and done is still going to be done in delivery and takeout. So, um, quick serve restaurants are really thriving during this time. How are we making sure that we're pursuing those? Um, mm-hmm. And and uh, buffets are going to—they're just getting hammered right now. Yeah, <laughs> you, you could basically say that. I was I was in an yeah. area that has tons of buffets, a big touristy area. Uh, a couple weekends ago and literally there was two cars in these parking lots that hold thousands right whereas the taco joint down the street that has um, you know it's a shack literally had a diner you know a line around the door so we're, we're making sure our sellers are focused on the right accounts we're calling it defining what good looks like and making sure that they're spending the time with the right accounts 
and um, and and they have prioritization in it because they're busy. They're going to be busy taking care of customers and getting people back reopened. Who do you spend that time with? So our focus has really been on the prioritization. Well, because yeah, because you you for your sellers and your sellers sort of have to make a, a tough judgment, which is who is coming back. Mm-hmm. Because certainly, yeah, you've seen the projections. You know, forty percent of restaurants probably that have closed may never come back in their current form with the current owners. Yeah, it's it's interesting. That's it, you know, there's all kinds of numbers floating around out there, and you could say it's you know thirty to forty percent of restaurants won't even come back out of this. There's even going to be a, a next wave. Like there's a lot of restaurants that they were just closed during this time period, and now they're going to open back up. And there's going to be another wave of restaurants that aren't aren't going to be able to survive this because their clientels aren't ready to come out. We, we've seen some data that says that the baby boomer generation is gonna is really hesitant to come back out, and in fact. They might not even come back into the restaurants until six months after the state opens up or eases restrictions. So that's another restaurant that could go six months without their main clientele if that's your if that's your main clientele. So there's yeah. there's even more closures to come. Well, if there's another wave of infection that shuts down restaurants again, I mean that's yeah we we call it uh, we call it thriveability. It's funny it it I didn't even know that was a word before all this happened, but we we're calling these accounts uh, high on our thriveability scale because not only will they survive and grow post pandemic, but if it were to come around again or um, an economic recession happens, which is you know possible as well. Well, it you, is. You want, yeah, it is <laughs> uh, more than likely. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> um, that that we're still aligned with the accounts, the the restaurants that are um, uh, they're going to grow through this and be okay. Yeah, it's a really interesting targeting challenge for for reps, and and you can just imagine sort of the ups and downs because, as you said, there could be a second wave of of restaurant closures, which. Yeah, a lot of people anticipate a second spike, at least one more spike of infections, which could cause another wave of closures of restaurants. Um, yeah, you think about selling in that environment; it's it's, it's a real interesting challenge, right? It is because you're thinking, I man, I still have a job, you know, I still have some customers, but it really is almost until the vaccine comes out that that they can sort of get back to normal. Yeah, there's it, it's. I guess it's um, when you look at our sellers and the and the time they have um, their their routes, they can spend a lot of time with the wrong the wrong customers. I mm-hmm. guess you could say. And if you don't have that prioritization or you don't have that clear understanding of where I should be dedicating my time with with the right customers that are growing or they're going to be set to grow, then you can really get lost in some pretty uh, bad activities. I would say. Well, I imagine there's a lot of your restaurateur customers that just want to have somebody to talk to. Well, it, there's also some big supply chain disruption as well, right? You've probably heard all over the news of, you know, the protein markets are crazy and mm-hmm. beef, beef plant beef plants closing down and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, we're also just trying to make sure that some the customers have product. And like I said, you you could spend so much time on. Uh, you want to take care of all your customers, but uh, not all are created equal. And it needs to be very targeted. And, and with the ones that you do have time with, what is your purpose with them? So there's, is there a chance that in that situation then that you're sort of saying, you know, if we lose some of these, I don't call it lower end necessarily, but lower end customers, that's okay for now. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's uh, you never want to say it, but it, but it 
kind of is um, because there's even a chance that they won't even survive either. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or do you look at just moving them to a different channel? Um, that that's also a, a, another consideration to say. Just purely online. It could be, yeah. Um, that you know, it's always something to think about. I know there's a lot of organizations that have inside sales models as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is that is that an option somewhere down the road? Are you guys looking at that? Um, it's it's on the whiteboard. Uh, like I said, we've we've been an organization that's been um, highly you know the belly to belly. Our industry in general is just that face to face selling. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that even our competitors are considering some of that as well. So I'd say it's on the whiteboard. Yeah, I would think that given sort of the range of institutions you deal with, that that makes sense for a number of them. Either you know say, hey, your option is to go online and. You know, have a good customer excuse me success and customer service experience, or yeah, maybe inside sales. It, it it would just be a big change for the customers. Um, they're used to having that salesperson, right? That live interaction and that that conversation. So it it would be a change for them, and there would be some setting expectations in my mind of hey, this is kind of how we're going to do business. But I think if there's any time to do it, it's it's now because there's an understanding our whole industry is under consolidation and it's just not like it'd be our company doing it. The competitors would be doing it as well. So if you're going to do something like that, I would say now would be the time. Yeah. Before, uh, <laughs> before all your competition jumps into it. I mean, at a restaurant, it's sort of interesting from a competitive standpoint then is, is so when your sellers go into a restaurant, we'll start restaurants is specifically is like, what is the value proposition for dealing with Gordon versus a competitor? Well, I'm going to throw an old cliche out here, Andy, and say it's a, it's our people are the value proposition. But um, it it really, I say that jokingly, but I really mean that too because what we try to make sure our salespeople do is they're they're delivering insights and delivering uh, valued information and and helping our customers sift through all the information into what's important for their operation so then give us an example of the insights when you have industry data that you're passing along or, or what's that yeah yeah that's that's exactly so uh, one of the things that we're we're really trying to focus on with our customers is reducing and streamlining their menu so uh, restaurants are having a hard time with labor right now getting people back to work from the unemployment mm-hmm. right you can make mm-hmm. more money on unemployment than than coming to work so they're just like i'm not coming back or just not answering the phone so they're really struggling from a labor standpoint. So what we're trying to talk to our customers about is uh, you, you don't have a lot of people in the kitchen anymore. So you need to reduce your menu, the size of it, the number of products you service or offer, as well as you need to reduce um, the high labor intensive items, a lot of scratch from stuff. And can we help you with some of those products that reduce that scratch, right? Pre-cooked items, pre-breaded items. Stuff like that that you don't have to create a, a, a soup base that's already a base that we have. We don't have to make it from scratch. So we're really trying to have that conversation with customers. And that's one of our biggest insights is let us help you with that because uh, your world isn't what it was versus just coming in and saying, what do you need this week? Yeah, I mentioned those conversations. Yeah, haven't happened or excuse me, it didn't start happening just because of the, the COVID crisis. So you can see across the board if you're trying to keep your, your costs in line, as some of those things are are pretty important. Yeah, I mean, it, it just it wasn't um, having a streamlined menu, having a uh, we call it a portable menu, right? It travels really well in the container, doesn't get soggy. Like that just wasn't that big of a deal 
pre-pandemic. Um, it was a nice to have. Delivery wasn't that big of a uh, an outlet for our customers. They did maybe ten percent of their sales were mm-hmm. were, t- were takeout. Well, now all of a sudden that is completely changed. And if your menu, your products don't travel well in a container, um, or it's not fit to go, or you don't have a delivery partner, uh, you're out in the cold. Yeah, yeah. No, no one likes the <laughs> the soggy entree when it shows up. Right. It's uh, French fries is one of those things. Mm-hmm. It's uh, we tell customers all the time that French fries just aren't going to travel well. So use a thicker potato wedge. The the thicker the item, the more it holds its crispiness. So there you go. The little nugget of information for you. Well, also it seems like you have to have like vent holes in the the container, right? I don't know how that works with the sanitation, but <clears throat> right. It's you know you put French fries in a takeaway container. You're basically steaming them <laughs> for her. For the duration of the delivery. You're exactly right, right? They need to be vented. And and that's a whole nother conversation is there's tons of to-go container, um, I guess you could say innovation out there from reheatable containers to vented. I mean, you you can go the cheap route, right? And use the, the really crummy foam container that's bad for the environment and that's not vented, but you're going to save some money versus use a high-end one that your product will be delivered to the customer almost tasting like it came right out of the, the fryer or the oven. But it's going to cost you more. And, and that's that other component that we're trying to talk to customers about is your packaging can make a difference. Does it have your logo on it? You know, how to create a brand for yourself. And um, yeah, those those are some more of those insights that we're trying to deliver. Yeah, almost like you have to train your sellers to have sort of a you know, graphic background as well to help design those things. Yeah, or just, you know what, I've, I've seen customers as simple as uh, just making a stamp and stamping your logo on a paper bag, right? That's that's better than a plain brown paper bag. Yeah, having so, I, <laughs> I agree. I was just commenting on that last week. My wife and I were out for a walk here in Manhattan, and, and somebody was going, walking away from a restaurant, and the restaurant, yeah, had a printed bag, and it's like, well, that caught my eye, made a difference. Yeah, brand, branding is everything, um, especially when it comes to the takeout and the um, all, all, all that's going on with that. So I, we we highly recommend our customers that you really need to brand yourself, um, especially now in this time. So as well as the online presence or your you know your online reviews and what people are saying about you, that is just as important. Now, do you have a service that helps people with their social media presence? We do. We have a we have a couple of third party services that we partner up with that can help hmm. customers with that, um, and, and it even monitor it for them. Right, so reputation control. Right, right, right. A lot of our restaurants just don't have that marketing arm. Right, they're mom and pops or independents, and we we try to look from everything from helping them control their food costs to um, helping them with their their menu design. Uh, social media presence, even finding a third-party delivery partner. Um, yeah, uh, we we have all those things that we try to help our customers with. Well, it sounds like you guys should get into the mask business because, at least in California, the regulation is that you have to wear a mask to enter a restaurant and have it on everywhere but at the table. Like you get up to go to the restroom, you have to put your mask back on, and so on. So it seems like you should make, yeah, branded masks for <laughs> for each restaurant that they have. Extra pile by the front door. So, like in the old days, where you had to have a, a you know blazer on to, mm-hmm. <laughs> to go into certain restaurants, we got a mask for you. It's funny. You, you, we've seen that with a lot of our restaurants. I've seen it with a lot of national chains. 
they're actually trying to have fun with the masks a mm-hmm. little bit, right? So, you know, everybody knows Frisch is big boy, right? Well, they're, they're putting masks on their big boy in all their restaurants and stuff like that and, <laughs> and, and branded, you know, branded masks and all that kind of stuff. So it's interesting to watch restaurants try to have a little bit of fun with that. Well, I hope they can because it certainly hasn't been fun the past several months and it's going to be tough for a while because if they're constrained to 25% capacity and as they are in, in many states, it's... Uh, it's still going to be tough for a little bit. So, yeah. Well, good luck to your your sellers in that. And uh, so, if people want to find out more about Gordon Food Service or connect with you, how can they do that? Yeah, uh, www.gfs.com. So, pretty simple to remember that. Um, whether you know you're a restaurant and you want to become a customer, or you just want to learn more about it as an organization, we also have our, our Gordon Food Service stores. Uh, over 130 of them, uh, mostly in the Midwest oh. and, and Florida. But uh, you can pick up food service items um, into our retail establishments as well. So uh, if you're looking to still stockpile food, <laughs> hit one of our retail outlets. Um, Only if you have toilet paper. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I think we do. I think we're, we're well stocked <laughs> in it now as, as well as many of the protein items. So, so but your stores are like in California, they have the Smart and Final stores, is sort of like that? Very similar to that. Yeah, okay. it's basically right. a way to, um, to get, you know, bulk food and um, to get a lot of what we sell directly to the restaurants for uh, it was made as a backup to our restaurants and and it the, the public part of it just really took it off so oh, uh, cool. great, great place to get anything you need for a party as well yeah all right well patrick thank you very much for your time thank you andy appreciate it